Dave Rubin and this is The Rubin Report. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and click that notification bell so you have a small chance of seeing our videos. And more importantly, joining me today is the host of The Greg Gutfeld Show, the co-host of The Five on Fox News, and the author of the new book, The Plus, Self-Help for People Who Hate Self-Help. Greg Gutfeld, welcome back to The Rubin Report. Thank you for having me, Dave. And I'd like to point out that I think I'm almost as good looking as you are today. But not You're quite. quite a fine looking man. You've lost a little weight during the lockdown. You've been working out, eating I, right, taking care of yourself. You know, with the uh, when the when the gyms went away, I was forced to kind of like create my own fitness routine. And I realized working out alone is the greatest thing ever. It's the great you don't have to wipe down a chair. So I started I got I got a bike and I just went all Atkins and I lost I've lost almost well, probably maybe more than 40 pounds. I mean, I've lost a small since, child. Since like March? So yeah, I guess, well, what happened was, it was I really kind of started in January when I was at a wedding and somebody took a picture of me. And I won't say that her name is Kimberly Guilfoyle, but this woman took a picture of me and my wife. And when, I got, saw, when she sent me the picture, I saw my wife there who looked great. And this little gnomish freak with just sweaty, gross, <laughs> and it was me obviously. And I was like going, how do I, how does she, how does she put up with that? How does she go to in public places with such a steaming pile of unattractive flesh? So that's, that, I said this to somebody else that in this case, fat shaming, fat shaming can be a really good thing because I was fat shamed by that picture. So I started on the diet when I got back from the wedding and then the shutdown happened and I just kicked into my Peloton and uh, Peloton and protein and, pa- and uh, pandemics, the ah, three the Ps, three, The three Ps, and you wrote a book called The Plus. So P is definitely yes. uh, your letter of the moment. You do know, though, that even if you're the only one using the equipment, you should occasionally wipe it down. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what Elena tells me, but I still don't because it's my sweat. It's my sweat. What, what, what could my sweat do to me that I haven't already done to myself privately? Is, isn't that how but we got right. coronavirus I, in the first place? You might be you might be right if it indeed exists. Don't take that out of context. I'm joking. I take it very seriously. All right, Gutfeld. Look, you wrote yes. a book. You wrote a book here. This is what your 27th book. How many books now? Yes, this is book number nine. Or like, what I like to say, yeah, I like to say it's eight more than yours, Dave. <laughs> eight more books than yours. I can't even see your first book. It's so early. Like, I, call me when you're on your fifth book. Well, then I can get the patches on my uh, elbows yes. and the whole thing and be an yeah. esteemed yeah, writer like, Ju- like you. You'll be like Judd Hirsch and ordinary people. You are going into your sort of J.D. Salinger phase, though, of life, I can tell, because you've got your house in the undisclosed yes. location in the woods. You occasionally tweet yes. pictures. You're on a lake surrounded by trees. And things yes. you're sort of going into that you're thought of as a as a cable news guy, but you're what really drives you is the desire to be off the grid, hidden in the woods. True or false? I I believe that I was self distancing before it was cool. I um I, I don't know what it was. It, it was because I was younger. I was more social, but I have no desire. Like you know me when you're in New York, it is impossible to even get me out of my apartment. You no, know, literally. And it's like, and then you end up <laughs> yes. And, and I, every- made you come to my, I made you come to my apartment when it was destroyed because I would rather sit in my apartment that had just been flooded 
than actually like, oh, Dave's going, meet me at this restaurant. I go, you know, I don't really feel like it. <laughs> but I say, Every yeah, time, I'm, a- I'm like, I'm like, Greg, name the restaurant. It's on me, whatever you want. You know, grass-fed this. You're like, could you just come to my place? I have, I have one beer. Yes. <laughs> I'm not that bad. I always have booze. But we did go to Del Frisco's. Remember? We did that go to Del Frisco's. Across that, from Fox. That was, that, that yeah. was nice. Um, you and so, your brother. Right. Nice guy. Yeah. So you're, that was your brother, out, right? That was, you told that, me that was it, your it, brother. Yeah, okay. I good, claimed good, it was good, my good, brother. Good. He, he says he's my brother. I'm not sure. Um, no, but let, let's talk about the, uh, the, the quarantine stuff a little bit. Because yeah. in your book, you actually, you, I guess you added the preface after you wrote the whole thing because then you wanted to address the quarantine stuff and they, they let yes. you jam it in there? Yeah, it was interesting because we had to have a discussion whether something in the news ends up branding your book or should your book be above it all. So I'm, 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 the book's going to bed. And all this stuff is happening. And the book itself is about a collective response to crap in your life so that we all share the risk and be better people. And this thing is happening. And I'm going, I have, this has to go in the book because all of the things in the book, the collective response, prison of two ideas, unbending minds, uh, blaming and forgiveness, all fit. You could all point all of these tips in that direction. And, um, but there was like, there were people going, yeah, but you don't want to be a pandemic book. And I go, well, you know what? If this book had come out in 2016, we would be talking about the Trump election. If it had been coming out in 12, 2012, it would be Obama, you know, it, or, or if it came out in 2001, it would be 9-11. So you, you, you can't ignore reality. So I put it in there and it, it and, 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 um, it's weird. A lot, all the chapters in this book are, de- are, are dealing with crap that happened later. Like even the riots yeah. in the... All this, like I talk about social media, I talk about uh, uh, marginalization, demonization, all this stuff. And it's like everything is happening. And it makes, it's, it kind of scares me because I'm trying to be positive and the book is trying to be positive. But we're in a time where we're not sure if we can be positive anymore, you know? No, well, Uh, nobody's, nobody's sure of anything. But I will go on the record, Gutfeld, as saying that if anyone watching this enjoyed Don't Burn This Book, they will dig mm-hmm. the plus because actually a lot of a lot of the themes. I mean, this is why we do so much stuff together yeah. lately. A lot of the themes that both of us care about, related to free mm-hmm. speech, what's happening at the colleges, trying to keep some semblance of Western society organized, maintaining a sense of humor through it all. That that really is what the thrust of this is about. But on the on the self help side, do you sense that people over the last four months that there's going to be like when when this thing is done, if it's if it's ever done. That, that there will be a real split where it'll be like some people really will have gotten their lives in order, lost weight, yes. learned how to cook, started new hobbies, et cetera, et cetera. And then there will be this other set of people that will have just like completely lost control of their lives. And I know both sides of that, of that equation. It's kind of like the, it's, it's like the education argument that like you could just go to high school, check in and check out, and you come out worse. Or you can be yeah. that kid that goes, oh, I want to do this. I want to go. I'm going to, I want to be like the Dana Perino. I'm going to join the speech and debate club because that's going to make me better. And I'm going to. And then I'm going to go uh, play bad uh, with field hockey. I'm trying to think of sports, <laughs> but I mean, it's like it's like lacrosse. The, create lacrosse. Thank you. So what you do is you create your own curriculum that is above and beyond what uh, is handed to you. And I think you know. I think about what was handed to me education wise and how I kind of blew it. 
And I talk about that in the book. There's a whole chapter on creating your own curriculum. It was based on a tweet this guy did. Frank Fleming said that if you actually took all the education time, 16, like 16 years of education and kind of curated what you wanted to do, you would be Batman. <laughs> 16 years of like martial arts, philosophy, languages, or what, you would be, or economics, you would be Batman. But instead you have 16 years of education and you're applying for jobs you know, at, in pharmaceutical sales and you're hoping you will get that job because you did not think about it like what an incredible opportunity. So that's how I started thinking about the pandemic is like, okay, the, the cards that are being dealt are limiting everything. Like I can't go to the gym, which I've been going for 40 years, I guess, to the gym like every week for 40 years and that's over. And I know how much I eat. I eat a buttload of food. So this is not gonna end well for me. Also, I tend to, you know, I, I like drinking and I'm gonna be home a lot. And there's all, so all of these variables are pointing in a terrible direction for me. And then I thought, well, what if I decided to create like, a, a, to quote Scott Adams, a system uh, rather than goals. And so I like cut out the, get, cut out the, the starches and the, and the carbohydrates. And then, and then it's like, get a bike and get up every morning and start early. And then, and also I get up every morning and walk before I exercise. And I just to get sunlight, all this stuff. And all of a sudden it's just like, I, it made me, I, it's like, I, I took, I went to school to become a better person, which was weird because that's what the book's about. The book was about becoming better at being you, which yeah, is hard kind of interesting. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting you because, because you, how can you, you become a better Dave Rubin? Well, I mean, I've, I've done it. You know what I mean? What, yes. what you're going through right now is where I was a year ago. You'll get to the perfect <laughs> place, Greg. Come on. And I'm going to help, I'm going to help you get there. Um, Thank you. But it's, it, it, it is kind of interesting because you wrote the book obviously before the pandemic, then you add this part about the pandemic, but yeah, what mm -hmm. you were writing about and sort of getting your life together really kind of is what you're trying to show for other people. But that kind of reminds me, you wrote a piece on foxnews.com about a year ago about how people can educate themselves outside yes. of the system. You can learn from Jordan Peterson, you can go on YouTube right. and learn from biologists and chemists and all of those things. Do, does that strike you, the fact that young people still, even now as we watch colleges collapse, does it seem just completely crazy to you that they're still putting all that money in on that experiment? Yeah, there needs to be, okay, okay, so there's that old experiment that we see is failing, and it looks like the pandemic is gonna push it online and elsewhere. And then here is the perfect thing, which is to have, you know, shows like yours or YouTube, anything on YouTube, like you getting a biology class from Brett Weinstein or getting a philosophy mm -hmm. class with Jordan Peterson. But the, 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 the uh, instructors have to be really good. It can't just be like YouTube where you, like I get, I get stuck in a YouTube black hole looking for um, guitar <laughs> instruction. And so it's like how to play rockabilly guitar. So I hit that, it's 30 minutes and the guy's talking for eight minutes and he's like, and he's just talking and he's holding his guitar. And it's like, I can't do this, I need, like somebody who's an instructor. And I think that's the only missing point because you, you have the vehicle, you have YouTube, you've got the internet and you have the desire, the people to want to do this. You have the pandemic that is forcing people in this direction. All that's missing is the, the stylistic, charismatic instructor. And I go back to Peloton every time. Pel what Peloton did to gyms is what 
instructors are going to do to college. So I no longer need to go to a gym again because the Peloton instructor is so amazing, so smart, and so authentic. And and I love this girl, Hannah Frankson. She's British. I get up every morning and she gets me on that bike. And she she and I, it's what she's done is she's taken the product and she's delivered it to you in the best way possible. That's the way uh, there has to be colleges that start up with that model that says, okay, you need great professors and they got to be funny. They got to be smart. They got to be not bad looking. Everybody in Peloton's great looking and they're funny. And, and, uh, and so I think that's the Peloton model for education is going to be the solution for all of this. And I'm not the, I think that Scott Adams talked, said this to me before in an interview that it's like, this is the step that's necessary is to get likable, talented, persuasive people to be the instructor. And so now you're going to get those people leaving these colleges, but there has to be something to come to. And it's got to be like Jordan Peterson teaches uh, introduction to uh, apologetics or whatever, you know. Greg, I'm not a uh, a fancy cable news host, so I don't have a Peloton. I've got a regular old elliptical something or other. But is this woman talking directly to you or you're in a live class every day? What's going on there with the Peloton? I think she's talking to me, Dave. I think she's talking to me. There's nobody else. No, uh, okay, so um, I'm telling you, you get this bike, you will, it will change your life about it in terms of, because what happens is they jumble up the, uh, the types of uh, 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 segments. So you're not doing 45 minutes on a bike. You're doing, we're going to do some hills, then we're going to do some sprints, and then we're going to sit down, and then we're going to stand up. And before you know it, it is over. It's like you're done. And they're talking to you the whole time. So they do live classes in the morning, sometimes in the middle of the night. And then I, I never do live classes. I get up at around 10 a.m., uh, or 11 a.m. I will do it, and I will find my favorites. Leanne Hamesley. My favorite ones are the British ones. They have a German one. This German woman from uh, uh, who, when she's yelling the yeah. stuff, it's not. <laughs> it doesn't make somebody whose name is Gutfeld feel very comfortable. But she's great. She's like, she, get on the bike, get up. You can do it. And I'm just like going crap, and I do it. But um, it, it's so good. If it works, it like works. Have, yes. But now I've got, but see, that to me is a plus that somehow they took an existing issue and they, which I guess they took a spin class and they brought it inside. So you don't have to go to the gym. And so that to me has changed and it is expensive. The bike's at least two grand. I think the bike's two grand, but Equinox, I mean, Equinox is 250 bucks a month, I think, 300 bucks. At least I, I just canceled my membership. I'm doing all my stuff at home now. Yeah. But the thing is, I haven't canceled Equinox because I'm under the assumption that they've put a stop to it. They must have, because legally that would be against the law. But I don't think I'll ever go back. And it's a great gym, but, you know. And two gyms Greg, right now have... Go ahead. You, I'm, off, you say, I'm off topic. You say Equinox, I say Equinox. Where does that put us as people? Mm, you know, I don't know. I think that's a certain kind of closet, closet racism that you're reflecting in the way you pronounce it. <laughs> I can actually it, it, well, tell. I'm, I'm, I have, uh, what's it called? That I'm an, I'm an ethnic Gnostic. I, got, I heard that from somebody who's a preacher, an African-American preacher. He says that there's all these ethnic Gnostics, meaning that they can tell how racist you are just by either listening to you or looking at you. Because <laughs> they're Gnostic. I'm not even sure what it means, but it's such a great word. I think I'm going to use it today on The Five. 
you like new words, incorporating new I words do. into the show and new, <laughs> new linguistic tricks. So, all right, yeah. so I really like the title of the book because the plus, the idea basically that, that there are positive things out there that you can aspire yeah. to, that you can kind of incorporate in your life and everything else. Um, we've talked about this a little bit on your show, but one of the things that I'm kind of amazed by right now is that a certain set of people, and I would say generally politically they're on the right, they are actually much happier than the, the people on the left. Um, and yeah. I don't think that has to do solely with politics. Are, are, yeah. are you with me on that? Do you see a fundamental reason that even when I, just, just the Fox crew that I've become friendly with, so you and Dana and, right. and uh, Tucker and Hannity, like I, from what I know, I, I, I know you the best they're as a happy. person, but like everyone's happy. They're all happy and, it's, and I know why they're happy and it's it, it's there are three kind of things that I think are that that make them happy, and I don't really aspire to them, which is weird. But um, family, community, religion, and I think that the, I, I think that like uh, if, if people build these inner circles out, out, out outward. They have themselves, and they have their family, then they have their community, and they have religion, or it might even be religion might be the closest thing. But those are the things. Now I'm not religious, but I understand why it works, and religious people tend to be incredibly nice and, and, and forgiving and will help you. And, and part of being religious is actually helping people and being charitable. That's the same thing. And, and it also bleeds into their family and their community. There is a certain you know, possibility or potential for intolerance, intolerance, as you know, among religions. And that's always something to be watched out for. But it provides a structure for people. So I think, but it's true. It's like, uh, everybody's very happy. Like I, I am uh, I'm probably more... Um, uh, I, I think I, I swing between poles in terms of happiness and unhappiness because I'm neurotic. So I, I would say that I'm at my happiest point in my life, but that's still not as happy as they are because of my neurosis and anxiety prevents me from jumping completely into the happiness pool. You know? But Greg, as a, as a self-help guru, I can tell you now uh, that it's, yes. it's that neurosis, but it's that neurosis that, that's sort of creating why what you do works because Whenever I'm on, on the Greg Gutfeld show, when, if we text after, you always say the same thing to me if it's a good show. You go, we got all the serious stuff out at the beginning and then we had mm -hmm. fun. And I think that that's yeah. what people are responding to. So it's like your show, I'm sure you know the numbers. I mean, you are crushing it, crushing the late night people right now. Yeah. And it's like, they're the ones that have 30 writers. They've got yeah. you know, millions and millions of dollars worth of budgets and all that stuff. And they're miserable and unfunny. How, how many people work on your show? Eight, maybe. And, and in terms of writing that show, uh, we used to do this every night with Red Eye with roughly the same crew. And it, it, it's uh, like I write my monologue and then Tom and Holly and this other kid, Gene, will, will work on the segments and the graphics. I better not leave anybody out. And, of course, Kat does her thing, which is really good. And Tyrus writes his stuff. It's, um, and it's naturally funny and smart. And you aren't having, you aren't sitting in a air conditioned room with 13 people who are all making six figures ordering in, let's order in and write 40 more jokes for Kimmel's monologue. Uh, nobody write, I mean, I, I'm opening myself up when I say nobody writes my jokes because that's like, we can tell Greg, <laughs> but I like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. but I always start with like, okay, I have a serious point to make. And then you work your way through that, and then at the end, there are these jokes that come up, absurdities, and I, instead of just leaving them out, I put them in, and it always helps to be, you know, to have targets that are hilarious. I mean, CNN never gets old, 
You know, as long as you have Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon, I'm going to have a monologue. And, yeah. uh, and, and or Brian Stelter. I mean, these are the gifts that, you know, keep on slobbering. Well, that, that's so. the thing, because it's like if you look at the CNN crew, not, not only do they all seem miserable and, and we can and the lies and all that stuff, but yeah. like you guys are having fun. Like there, there doesn't seem to be any level of fun there. And I'm not saying the news has to be fun per se, but I think it does. It does color yeah. something else beneath it or something like that. You know, think about like the Daily Show with Jon Stewart was having fun during that period. I don't see that anywhere. Even on Comedy Central, you really don't see any fun. I, I, I've said this to you before. I always use I call it the Dean Wormer effect. That like for the longest time in Animal House, the Republicans were always Dean Wormer. And everybody else was right. Ludo and the and Delta House. We the whole goal of you know when Andrew was alive and and uh, I was working at the Huffington Post was right to flip part, it. Yeah. So yeah, so the Republicans would be at some point would become Delta House and the lib- and the left would become uh, Dean Wormer and that's what's happening. You know this. You left Dean Wormer and you're watching this. I think I'm curious about how you feel about Matt Taibbi because I feel really guilty about the t- all the times that I kind of dismissed him as just a left wing. Well, the way he dismissed me, I'm sure, or he didn't even maybe know who I was. But I see him now, and I go, like, he's Dave Rubin. He's two months away from you becoming yeah. you, right? <laughs> well, I, I feel like it, you know, it's, it's like a little pat on my back. It's like, oh, all of the, these people now are just saying what I said years ago. So, yeah. you know, it's like when you're, when you're ahead of the curve, you somehow feel behind it in a way when it starts yes. getting to the moment of, of uh, right. mainstream. You're like, ah, yeah. but it's good. Like, I don't, I, I don't know that. He, he knows me specifically, but I'm like, yeah, you're just writing the same exact stuff I said four years ago, it's and that, that's really great, you know? Yeah, you see that, though. You see that with Brett Weinstein. You see that with his wife when you listen to that, what, they're, what they go through. And by the way, probably the most, I guess, disturbing thing about this last couple of months is that how right Brett was about, um, what's the name of the biz college? Green, um, Evergreen. Uh, Evergreen. That what yeah. happened in Evergreen, Evergreen has gotten out of the zoo. It's out of the zoo. And, yeah. and it's all over the place. And it's like, he said that was going to happen. And I am trying to maintain a positive, like, this is not going to get any worse because there's no slippery slope with this. You either, you either have law and order or you don't. You got to stop this. But so far, he's, he and his brother have been pretty uh, uh, dead on on this stuff. Makes me very nervous. So for a guy like you that doesn't want, I know you don't want the whole system to collapse, but I think you also, I think we're probably similar in this way. You understand the, why it's collapsing. Yeah. What do you see is the way that we can kind of get out of this thing? Well, I, I mean, I'm going to sound like a broken record because I am. I do agree with Donald Trump that fake news is the enemy of the people. I mean, I don't know if you could find a clearer statement than tear down the wall maybe. Uh, because almost all of these things that are happening to us right now tend to be these psychological conflicts that are ginned up. And I think if you go to any serious issue where there is an issue, you could talk about police and commu- policing communities, serious issue. Does the media add or subtract to it? It's a negative. It's a minus. It's not a plus. The more that the American public understands how to perceive what's going on on television, cable television, and not to trust it, the better off we're going to be. I think the first thing we have to do is understand that this is not our friend, that this, 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 is, a, this is a machinery of division uh, that's trying to get us to eat each other alive. And, they, and, and then they don't see it. Like you see on CNN going, you know, we, 
This, th what's happening like yesterday, you know, what's happening in Portland is, you know, we don't condone it, but it's being exaggerated, you know, by the pouncing right wing media. No, they found a pouncing. dead body in, in Minneapolis in a burned out, you know, uh, pawn shop. That ain't pouncing. That's a corpse. So, I mean, it is, I think that the first thing is realization that this institution is gone. It's your enemy. And, and, uh, and, I, and fake news is the enemy of the people. Sounds so, you know, it sounds so Trumpian, but it actually, God, we knew this, right? We always, it's like, like if you, and you know, by the way, you know this, I know this specifically because anytime anybody writes about you, it's never right. It's never, it's like you, you get, uh, you know, I've been written about, I don't know, a, a bunch of times. And, and if the person loves your show, it's going to be great. But if yeah. they're coming from a liberal institution in which they have editors, they can't compliment you. They can't see your point of view. They can't even empathize. So they'll go like, Dave Rubin claims to be a traditional liberal who became disillusioned with the progressive left. What he likes to call in a <laughs> mocking manner, regressive. We, we met Dave, and but and it's like, and, there, and then and then there's like six or seven cutting remarks, and then some yeah. comment from somebody who doesn't like you. Well, here's the thing about Dave that you probably aren't aware. It's like, it, and so it builds, and then you go like, wow, this whole story was just designed to take me down, and it's not true. I didn't say that. I've had instances with reputable journalists where I go, that didn't happen, that didn't happen, and then if you end up on Twitter calling people out, you could be there all day. You know, and I've, yeah. I, I've called out four or five people and they've retracted. Others don't. But, um, you know, it's if you if you are the object of a story, you know, this you knew that you know how this works. They seek a narrative. They need to tell a story. If the beach doesn't have a shark, it's not a story. So they need to have a shark at that beach. Right. Well, I love every time when I get advanced warning that the Daily Beast or HuffPo or the Times yes. is going to do something on me. And then, you know, someone will reach out and usually yeah. when it's when they're like 24 hours from print, so they know I have to rush a statement. And then I'm just like, no, I'm not going to play their game. And then at the bottom, Dave Rubin refused to comment on this <laughs> hit piece. Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, they yes, don't say hit exactly. piece. Exactly. Um, yeah. But, but, but it's not just it's not just journalists, though, because you I mean, you're on Fox every day. You know, there there is a team of people at Media oh, Matters, yeah. a, non, a non-profit that are dedicated uh, to, for it's you weird. to raise your eyebrow in a, in a weird way, and that can prove that you're a racist. And that is constant for me. My eyebrow always goes up. But you know what? I always try to appeal to a lot of these people, and there's not that many of them, I don't know, on Twitter or privately, and I'll go like, do you really, I, I go, do you really want to do this for a living? I mean, your job is yeah. to watch me and hope that I screw up. So think about that as a, as, a, as a career, that you are not successful. Your role is that I, a successful person, fails. Your job is just to sit there and just hope that maybe I lose my temper or I say something that could be misconstrued because what they really do is they take something and find the worst intention out of it. So it's like, um, you know, um, what, I, they just take stuff out of context. Constantly. Well, they did the, the I, well. The big one, the big one, a couple of weeks with you was uh, one of the guys at Media Matters was claiming that you were hi uh, basically, in effect, hiding information about coronavirus, and you yes. pulled up a clip that you were talking about coronavirus. You talked about it. Yes. Was it literally the end of January? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you know what? That guy still maintained that he was right. He's like, well, you know, you know what? It's just Fox in general. I go, no. You actually said me. 
and look at this, and I will show you. And also, Tucker was early on too. And I'm like, and I go, you should, you should do the right thing, guy. But he's no longer. I don't. That guy no longer does me. It's like I, I think what happens is they burn out through self-reflection. When I, I always like. By the way, that guy was. That guy ain't young doing that work. So I always <laughs> think that somebody who's stuck with that job is stuck with that job because I can't imagine me when I was in my 20s. I wouldn't have done that job. I, I was. Mm-hmm. I worked at Prevention Magazine and I wrote about health practices for the elderly, which sounds terrible, but I learned how to interview doctors. Doing what they are doing in their 20s or their 30s or their 40s seems to me like it's soul crushing that you, that you have to do this. And so I always try to appeal to that. I mean, it's funny to see the, the network that they bounce to. Like when you leave Media Matters, you now go to the Daily Beast. Or you might go to Vice. When, and Vice is now nothing, nothing but Terrible. a... A, a, a big pr- pile of woke garbage. It's hilarious to think that that was a, a daring magazine in the 90s. And, and what is it? It's not even a thing. And, um, but my point is, they're, they're, it's, a, it's a self-contained organism. But what happens is they send these like, things out to get you fired. So they're just kind of like a cancellation organ. And, um, and you have to be on your toes with it. I, you know... You try not to, you know, you, 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 you look at them. I tend to get pissed off if it's, if it's something that's going to damage me. So I will come yeah. at them. Though there is an argument to just ignore them because most people do. And over time, they have lost their cachet, uh, I think. But they will, like, if they have a chance to come out. It's, think about this. So you, Dave, you take a risk. You take a risk. You start your own business. You, lead, you, you create an island for yourself to kind of like you make yourself immune to cancellation, which is the solution. And yet there are people that still want to destroy you <laughs> precisely for that reason. Think about that. They want to destroy you because you, you refuse to be destroyed. I so mean, you, but, it, so it as such, a guy, yeah. So as a guy that just wrote a, you know, a self-help, it's a self-help mockery in a way, but it's also, but it is self-help at the same time. What, what do you think it is about that type? Like, what do you think the dividing line is between a type of person who wants to take care of themselves and their life versus yeah. the type of person that wants to, because we see so much of this everywhere, just take out other people? Well, I have a, cha- I have a chapter on this in the book, and I talk about how uh, the, the, the most manic of, of these individuals uh, are, according to research, are incredibly uh, antisocial. And they can't tell if it's the chicken or the egg. Is it their own beliefs and ideologies that make them antisocial? Or is it something about them that makes them that way? And when you look at what's going on in, this, in the streets of Portland and Seattle, there's, there is a mental issue going on there. They do not seem stable. So I think that these are people that have lost contact with their loved ones, their family. I don't think these are people that come home for Thanksgiving and help with the turkey. Right. I think that mm-hmm. their joy in life is to humiliate and attack and have you hear their their screams and their cries. I do think that it, we are living in an age of hysteria. And I think it's also bleeding into other certain segments that I can't even talk about. Certain activists who do not represent the people they claim to. There's a great um, oh, there's a great clip of this African-American cop in Portland talking about how oh, yeah. a black activist came up to him and said, hey, you know, um, you know, how do you feel about George Floyd? As he's talking, a white leftist female comes over and goes, don't talk to him. She's telling a black woman not to talk to him. It's, and, and you realize, okay, this is a, this is a mental issue. This is, uh, so I think that 
you almost have to pull them out of this cult. You and I aren't in cults because a, the, the measure of a cult is the ability to admit when you're wrong. Like I admit I'm wrong on like yeah. at least once or twice a year. No, once or twice, like pretty regularly. Um, uh, well, and, not uh, only do you admit, Greg, not only do you admit you're wrong, can you tell the good people what happened this very week on the Greg Gutfeld show with you and cows? You made a major, a major admission. Yes, uh, emission, nice one. Or omission, emission. Um, oh. the, uh, <laughs> yes. I might have, that might have right, been a Freudian so slip. I've, I've noticed this, that um, we all have, and even Adams has said this, but he won't admit what, what, what mistakes that we have these like really embarrassing things that we, that we won't voice because we're embarrassed. For example, in Seinfeld, it was George Costanza didn't want to go to a flea market because he thought there were fleas. Yeah. I always thought that. I thought that too. <laughs> there, there, there were flea markets in Belmont, California, and my friends were wanting to go. I go, I'm not going there because I thought fleas. So two, I have two idiotic beliefs in the last uh, month that I've talked about. One on the five. I thought veal was a separate animal. I didn't know that it was like a baby cow. No idea. I thought like when you order veal, it's like ordering lamb or it's just a different animal. So that's embarrassing. But I didn't know that cows were only female. I thought that a cow was just like there was a male cow. <laughs> so that's stupid. But it's like I, I don't mind confessing that I know these things. I, I, I'm an idiot because I know for a fact that everybody, everybody feels that way. I mean, I mean there are people that think that there might be 52 states. Uh, because they get confused between a deck of cards and the United States. And also you have those two states that are outside. Sometimes I'm going like, is it 52 or 50? 52 or 50? I should check because I get confused. <laughs> you know, is it 48 plus two? It's 48 plus two. Also, there are things like when you think about geography in general, that you can get stuff totally wrong because uh, you kind of skipped over it and somebody could trick you into thinking that something was part of something when it really wasn't. Um, there are parts of Europe that I might have thought were parts of other places. <laughs> but is all of that, is all of that really just because everyone seems to pretend that they know everything at all everything. times? Yes. Net neutrality was going to kill everybody. Yes. Soleimani's death was going to start World War III. Yes. You know, there's some, the Russia thing, the Ukraine thing, with the Iran nuclear deal. People who have no jobs, no, people who yes. can't get their lives together, but they know everything about string theory and economic policy and everything Yes, else. I try to do that. You know who knows every, I'm convinced who knows everything according to his fans is John Oliver. Man, did you see his, his 30 minute on net neutrality? It'll change your life. It's like, no thanks. I'd rather be ignorant. I don't, I don't think I need to know 30 minutes on net neutrality because I know where it's gonna end up in the same place. It always yeah. does. And to your point, it's always the same place. And I think it's helpful, like, like string theory, this is, the, this is the blessing and curse of podcasts that you could do your curriculum. I'm gonna learn about quantum physics or quantum mechanics or quantum gravity. Put quantum in front of everything and suddenly people are like, ooh, who is this guy? But quantum I enjoy it. Quantum leap, yes. I love that actor. There was Scott, Scott Bakula. Scott Bakula and, oh, the other guy. The who other played, guy. Um, who played Booth, uh, who played Mr. Booth in Blue Velvet, who was the he boy was with in, green hair. The boy, yes, remember the, was movie, in, the movie Boy with Green Hair? He was um, in Air Force he, One. I just watched it this weekend. Uh, he's so stupid. Oh, God, jeez, Louise. If only somebody here could Google the boy with green hair. That, did, you, did you see that movie as a kid? Uh, do you ever see that movie? It's a boy who wakes up with green I hair. I don't think I've seen it. 
That's oh, very it's scary. amazing. I saw it as a child. Probably came out in the 1940s, 1950s. But the guy we're talking about, Stuart, Stu, Stan, uh, uh, Stan, uh, George, we used to do a You know what I'm going to do? Wait, game. Greg, watch this. I'm going to do something. I've never done this on my show before, but my director is remote right now. He's yes. in my ear. Matt, I want you to Google the actor that we're talking about. He was in Quantum Leap. He was not Scott Bakula, but the other guy. And apparently he yes. had green hair as a child. Can you get me that yes. actor's and name? This is the most cable news I've ever been right now. Yeah, and he was the guy that ran the bordello in Dean Rubelba. Stockwell. Dean Stockwell. I hope he's still alive. Dean Stockwell, did you, did you ever see Blue Velvet? Wait, hold on. Let me go back to the control room. Matt, is yeah. Dean Stockwell still alive? Yes. Stand by. <laughs> Greg? I hope he is. Still alive? No? Wow, he's 84 and still alive, at least as of this taping. Road trip. We are going on a Dean Stock. Did you? Have, I have to ask you because it's my favorite movie of all time is Blue Velvet, and Dean Stockwell's character was the guy that ran the whorehouse that Dennis Hopper came to, and it's one of the greatest scenes in any movie. Um, anyway, that's my. Did you? You look like you've not seen Blue Velvet. I, I, I actually, I, I haven't seen it, believe it or not. But Gutfeld, I got to tell you. I love you, but your movie recommendations over the last couple of months have really been disastrous. I'm texting <laughs> you one, I'm texting you one, one morning. I'm like, I don't know what we're going to watch tonight. I've watched everything. I told you're you like, oh, you got to watch The Color of Something with Nick Cage. I literally, I got brain damage in the middle of the movie. It was oh, that oh, horrible. Whoa, 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 whoa. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's the port of call with Nicolas Cage. The Color Cage. of Space. It, no, 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 not The Color of Space. It's, it's a remake. The, uh, the um, officer, the, um, I can't swear right now because of you. Um, no, you the, can swear. Was, swear. People oh, will um, like it. Okay. So it was a remake of a Harvey Keitel movie, but it really wasn't. And it's called Port of Call. And it's by the guy who did Grizzly Man. Um, the director um, who did Grizzly Man, Werner Herzog did it. And it's called yeah. um, Cop Officer Bad Lieutenant Port of Call. And it's got iguanas in it. How could you not love that movie? How could you not love that movie? Nick Cage, it's one of Nick Cage's best films. Nick Cage, also, if you've ever seen, you didn't like Mandy, did you? Mandy, where he's- No, I, yeah, I tried to watch that because of you too. I watched it for about a half hour and I couldn't take it anymore. I was sitting in a pool of my own vomit. And I thought, <laughs> I, gut fell. That's Wednesday All right, wait. <laughs> this is what you call a tangent. This is the beauty of YouTube, that you yes. don't have the luxury as a, as a cable news host to do these, do these things. Um, actually, I, I want to tell you about something somewhat serious, actually, because just in the last couple of days, uh, you know, Tucker did this end of the show monologue about what the New York Times is doing right. to him. And they've, basi they've basically threatened to dox him. They already yeah. did one version of this, and we know that people have shown up at his house before and all that. Uh, I feel that this is the next level of where this is all going, that they've said it's okay to burn down stores, violence isn't violence, words are violence, but violence isn't, it's very confusing. But the next level of this will be that, it will be, it will be something to the effect of, can Republicans go to public places? Right. And can Republicans have homes that are not doxxed? Are, are you worried about yeah. that? Like, what, what do you make of this thing? Oh, um... I'm worried in a number of ways that I've actually acted on it uh, for the last couple of years, actually. I've acted on 
uh, on certain things to, to, for safety reasons, and, and we've talked about that before. Um, I yeah. find it interesting that all the things that you talked about are okay, but they're charging that couple for brandishing that weapon when the mob broke down the gate and was in front of their house. So they're yeah, actually the telling you, not only can you be threatened, not only can you, your uh, uh, p public and private property be vandalized, but you cannot defend yourself. And, and it's, it's also with, I mean, Tucker, you know, it, 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 say what, it, like, they cannot deny this is not a political act. It's not Rachel Maddow that they're doing this to. It, you know, it's not anybody on CNN. It is Tucker Carlson, the most, I guess, the most successful cable host in history in terms of ratings. Yeah. I believe he eclipsed uh, O'Reilly. So it's not a coincidence that it's the New York Times that is doxing him. They're not doxing Chris Cuomo. He's, he, well, he kind of doxed himself during the coronavirus. He doxed. But, uh, you know, it's like, <laughs> right, it, right. It's, 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 so it's, it's, ha it, it, if these, if these actions were a two way street, I would get it. But all these errors and all these prosecutions and persecutions happen in one direction. And the direction is towards people like Tucker, people like you. Uh, uh, you know, if they can, my guess is if they can find out where anybody lives that they disagree with, they would have no problem. I mean, look what they did. Look, I always use the Covington, Covington kid. There was no shortage of people wanting to make sure people knew where that kid lived and where, you know, and they were, everybody was looking, hey, are his pictures of him in high school? You know, people, these are political persecutions going on right now. Now, I know that the Times today, I think they might have issued a response saying they weren't going to dox him, but, but that's after Tucker called him out, you know. So there was clearly something going on there. And, I mean, he, the guy had to move, you know. And uh, yeah. it takes a lot for Tucker to move. It takes a lot for Tucker to change his clothes. You know, he's always wearing the same clothes. I can't imagine him ever leaving his house because he was threatened. But I, I mean, they came to his door. They vandalized his house. The New York Times, man, I don't know what it is. Are they completely overtaken by the young woke or are they just terrified by the young woke who worked there? We knew this was going to happen. When you graduate from college, you got to go somewhere. And they ended up at the I, Times and they end up in corporations, too, Dave. You know, they, you know, no, it's, it's going to, it's, it's going to take down, it's going to take down every corporation and every institution that lets it in. So the times, yeah, I think, I think both is the answer to what you just said. Is, did they let it in like willingly or are they just afraid of it? I think it's both, it's both things. Yeah. What, what, what do you yeah. make of the, uh, of the last liberals that are scattered throughout the galaxy? You know, the ones that maybe are still afraid of showing up on your show. Cause I know you, you talk to people yeah. privately that wouldn't want to be a, you know, that they wouldn't want to be associated with you. You would have no Absolutely. problem associating with them. But what, what do you right. make of, say, the people that were in my position a couple years back that, that still, it's like, ah, I just don't want to be seen with Gutfeld or Tucker because that's I worse am, than having my house burned down. I'm thoroughly uh, compassionate and I take, I, I like, I never uh, pressure anybody to do anything because I know that the change that they're going to experience is going to get ugly. I'm trying to think of a, a, a good example is anybody in a band. Anytime I do anything with somebody in a band, their fans uh, are going to be so shocked, not because they hate me, but Fox News. So like a buddy of mine um, who's in uh, Power Trip, you know, we, we, met on, we met on Twitter. We became friends. We went, him, me and his dad went out drinking in Texas. Uh, he did my podcast. And like I'm on, I'm you know I'm on Twitter, and there are these people going, I really love it when like bands like Power Trips you crap all over, 
uh, Fox News and Gutfeld. And I, I just tweeted at the guy to go, I don't think you'll like this podcast. And it's like, it's, it's the, I like the, the cognitive dissonance when they go, you know, it's weird. How dare two people who disagree with each other get along? I mean, what kind of philosophy is that when you think that's wrong? Like that somehow if you and I disagree, I cannot be friends with you because somehow your opinions are going to rub off on me or mine are going to rub off on you. And that's wrong. It's it, it's it's and I I feel bad. for. I'm trying to think of it like there are people that have done my podcast who won't do my show and yeah, yeah. vice versa. Um, but I don't you know, I don't like I sometimes I do them a favor because I go like I don't want I don't want uh, I just don't want a crowd like when Ariel Pink did Red Eye. He got, you know, all these freaks went after him. Uh, any, any like, ba- like uh, uh, music websites that are, web- music websites are populated by you know, the Scott Adams uh, definition of the, the non-talent stack, the person mm-hmm. that has no talent other than one thing and it's barely. So when you go to music blogs, they're usually uh, people that have no wisdom, no acumen about anything. And so whenever anybody outside that, the music world does my show, they have to write about it and cancel that person. It's like when they found out that Thelma Houston was doing a duet with Morrissey. And, and so uh, 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 Pitchfork like, contacts her. Oh, we want to know, why are you doing a duet with Morrissey? Instead of saying, wow, it's amazing that she is back and she's doing something with one of the greatest singers of all time. And yeah, he's a right winger. Big deal. You know, uh, I'm sure it wouldn't matter if he was you know, supporting Corbin or a... Uh, uh, a, uh, um, a, a what do you call it? Uh, the, an anti-Jewish uh, um, uh, Israel. Corbin. Uh, what do you call it? Yeah, Corbin. like a BDS yes, guy. Like a, yeah. I'm trying to Corbin. Think, yeah, you, got BDS, you got it. BDS. I always get yeah. BDS with the uh, gastrointestinal disorder. That's IBD. No, IBS. Ah, yes, that's that's yes. IBS. Completely different yes. thing, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that should be the actually the probably... IBS. <laughs> Stupid. I'm sorry. Um, no, you're you're doing you're laugh doing just fine. You yes, you're, you're doing just fine. Do you, I feel like maybe you need some water or something. You're, you're Why, trucking something through happening? here. Um, no, no, no. But it, 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 what is that? Is that what? You must be on some special. You must be on some special drink now. No, I got uh, this. is My third cup of coffee in my unicorn mug, and then I got some water here in a Gutfeld's uh, monologue uh, 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 red solo cup. So I'm drinking it. But it's so it's it's so incredibly hot where I am right now. It's got to be almost a hundred, I think. And uh, so you know, I'm a little sweaty, do, maybe. Do you think uh, you like that, that any of the stuff like going back to studios? You know, you're not doing your show in front of a live studio audience anymore. But but even the five, you you guys used to all be in a room together, it's or te- even the I late night it. shows. Do you think any of it's coming back, or do you think that the putting the virus aside and that whatever's true or not true about that? But just that the companies are going to look at the numbers and be like, wait a minute, why the hell were we paying for these yes. live studio audiences when the ratings are actually better now? The rate, but the thing is, so you have, you have all these variables. People are home, so the ratings are higher, right? Like, like the five was killing it during March and April. It was like, we were having like six million or something. Crazy number. We were like huge. Um, now we're kind of in a normal phase or it's still pretty high, about three and a half million, depending on whether Trump speaks or not. But okay, so that's going to fudge the numbers a bit. But it, you're right in the sense that there's a lot of things you don't need anymore. I will say this though: the five suffers because there's this two-second delay, and it always mm-hmm. sounds like we're interrupting each other, and that we don't like each other, and that we're mad at each other. Because 
let's say uh, Juan will be finished talking and then I'll jump in to say something. He doesn't hear me because there's a two second delay. So he starts talking again and then we overlap and then it's like, hey, I was talking. Well, I was talking. It's, 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 it's so bad. So it's these, um, the, the, the delays are terrible. Um, and also it, it handicaps me even more because I'm a wise ass. I'm supposed to be at the table. And while you're saying something, I'm supposed to insult you under my breath but loud yeah. enough for everybody to hear it, or I'm supposed to make fun of Dana and embarrass her. And when you're on remotes, I, I'm completely cut off. I cannot, like, if I yell something, it's gonna be a two second delay and it's gonna come later and then they're gonna be laughing and then it's gonna fuck everything up. It drives me, so it's like, so instead when I'm doing the five, I, I compare it to this. When you're on around a table, it's like a great game of pickup basketball. When you're doing, this remote thing, it's like you're at a batting cage. Everybody's in their separate batting cage and they're huh. all swinging for the fence, but you're not having any conversation. You're just, and no, and like if somebody else is batting, you're not really looking. You're kind of looking at your notes, getting ready for your swing at the bat. And so it's not a conversation anymore. And, um, but like you said, it's like they're still selling ads and, and uh, shows are still ro rolling along. I think the GG show, We'll pro I mean, I don't know how you do an audience. And I don't see this happening before 2021 either. Yeah, right? I, yeah. I, don't, I don't see them. I mean, you're going to have a winter time, which means you're probably going to have a return of different flus and different illnesses and corona. And nobody's going to want the legal ramifications. I mean, I guess you could sign a waiver when you enter an audience thing. But, uh, you know, I had two events canceled. I'm doing, I think I might be doing an event, in, but I don't know. I, I can't say it. Can't say, but anyway, uh, most of all my all my stuff has been canceled. So uh, which is you know, no one wants to hurt anybody unless it's in a bar late at night right. and, where, <laughs> yeah. and you're getting paid to do it. Yeah, yeah, that was very broad. No one wants to hurt anybody. We could probably come up with a couple. But it is, it is yes. kind of interesting that you mentioned the delay thing and doing this stuff all through yeah. Skype. Because even in, even in the course of this, where you know, we know each yeah. other, yeah. I've, stepped, I've stepped on you a couple times because you miss... I can see you right now, but you miss a little bit with the a eyes, bit. a little bit with yes. the body, and then next thing you know, we're kind of babbling over each other, and that does change what a little bit of the magic is of the, of television. Yeah, it, and I think people who the people who watch these shows like the don't just like the politics of it; they like us, so uh, yeah. they like to see us uh, uh, talk to each other and and uh, and and have fun. And that's it, it's a little bit harder. I was watching yesterday an interview with Mike Patton, who I love, and this chef, and they were talking about food, and I thought this was gonna be great, but it was just, they were like in their separate boxes. What do you like to eat? Well, I like Italian food. <laughs> I like, what do you eat? I eat French food. And that's how, that's how it went for an hour. I'm like going, I go, this could have been great if they were sitting next to each other. Um, but I guess you beggars can't be choosers, so uh, I, be, I just coined that, just so you know. Uh, and it'll be the title of my next book. Impressive. But, um, yeah, thank you. The, uh, I'm sorry, but that's that. It's 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 the thing. Like I'm doing the five today. I'll be doing it in a location, and it's not fun waiting to do it. And it's it's just like, you know, when you, you know when you do remotes on TV for a whole hour, it's it's just and, and like the sound is weird and I don't know. It's just like I can't. I'm not having a. I'm not having as much fun. But again, I can't complain. Because if this is my complaint during the coronavirus that I'm not having as much fun, then, you know, I'm an asshole because I'm here. <laughs> I'm healthy right now. You know, I've right. been tested. I'm negative, uh, you know, and, and uh, so that's OK. So even, have you even had though the, I know have I, you had the coronavirus thing yet, have you had the, I, the have, swab? 
I have it's not, not that bad. had the swab, and as far as I know, I have not had the corona. And uh, yeah. look, it's 80 and sunny every day in LA. I believe vitamin D. That's my personal yeah. scientific thing that's, that now media a lot of people believe that, and, and, and it is actual science. Vitamin D yeah. is science. You should read up on um, how sunscreen has hindered vitamin D production in your body. There's a great article in Outside Magazine from January 2019. Blew my mind. When people put on a lot of sunscreen, they block the vitamin D that comes in. And so that actually raises your risk for other illnesses. So could sunscreen cause the coronavirus, Mr. Rubin? I ask you that. Exit question. Media matters will let us know. They will (laughs) let us know. Wait, it's, I want to. I want to talk since we're since, since we're talking about the remote thing a little bit. I want I want to talk about New York City because normally yeah. you do live in New York City at least some of the time. Yeah. Um, but you're you're in your forest now. Your undisclosed yeah. location in the forest. Yes. What, what, do you think New York City's ever going to come back from this? And and what about the violence and just the the whole thing now? Because it's not just about the the virus anymore. It's so sad. I got to tell you. So Saturday I was in Manhattan and it was great. I'm walking around Soho and and like everybody's drinking outside because you can now drink outside, but there's a lot of cars, exhaust, and it's not that great. But you know what? It's turned it into kind of a fun place. But everything's closed, Every and I'm watching, I, I ended up talking to a friend of mine who lives next door, and he's lived in New York for 40 years, and he's been through everything, and he's a tough dude, Harley riding dude. And he's like, my heart broke, and he was talking about Sunday, the Sunday night in June when uh, everything was looted, and my wife was stuck in the apartment, um, and uh, which just, just blows my mind. And, and it was just a horrible, horrible, horrible experience. And I wrote about this. I don't know if you saw the article, but I wrote about it. It reminded me of when my friend's car got stolen and they found the car and the insurance wouldn't total it because it was still working, but nobody wanted to get in the car because something mm-hmm. had been done inside the car. Like they pit- pissed in it. Um, they had just, they had, soiled metaphorically, literally the car. And my buddy said, you know what? They're not totaling it, but I don't want this. And he was, you know, he was a college kid. And so he had, you know, he just didn't have his car anymore. It was a Mustang. But that's how it, like when I feel, when I'm walking around so, I feel like, my God, this thing was assaulted. It was assaulted and it hasn't recovered. And it's, it's, and, uh, and I'm looking at the, at the, all the spray paint, all the messages, the political messages and how we're all supposed to uh, genuflect and I'm going, but what about all the people that work here that don't have jobs right now? And I'm watching people that come here to shop that are like, that aren't rich, that are coming here because they heard there might be sales and nothing is open. And there's some stores that are open and then there are other stores that aren't. And then you hear about, well, uh, there was another, some other looting that happened. And um, it's just, it to me, I don't think it's going to come. I mean, I'm okay. So I have this conversation. I don't care if I, my wife might get bad. I have this conversation with my wife almost every night. I want to move. Mm-hmm. She doesn't. And she, because she's an optimist and also becomes, because she moved from Moscow. <laughs> so it's like, she moved to Moscow and London. And I think that anything, freedom to her, freedom is everything. So it's like, Greg, you're living in the freest country in the world. And this is part of the consequences of your freedoms, this happening. I mean, if th- this wouldn't happen in Moscow, everybody probably would be lined up somewhere. But that's what happened. She goes, so this is why it's, you know, this is why it's important. And I'm like, but um, I, don't, I don't feel safe here. I don't think you, I think that it's going to happen again. In fact, I believe that any time, now that we've opened the door for this, you can go in that door anytime you want. Uh, the, the mayor, yeah. de Blasio, made the cops hold back. Uh, we saw what happened. Um, and it was, it was, I mean, you could call the cops and it wasn't going to, nothing was going to happen. 
So we, I have this conversation every day. It breaks my heart. I love where I live, but um, I want to get. I kind of want to get the hell out of there. But I am patient, and maybe I'm. I think so. I have been wrong. I tend to exaggerate things because I'm neurotic. So I might be wrong on this as well. That maybe New York came back after 9/11, and maybe we'll get a maybe we'll get a mayor that's amazing. Maybe the maybe a police chief will run. Or maybe uh, I don't know who something will happen and this will change. Um, so well, that's I'm the, holding that, out. that's the yeah that's the silver lining thing, right? Like the silver yeah. lining has to be. Well, you've been talking about the uh, the silent majority a lot, and it's like yeah. that these people will finally they weren't political or they never spoke up and they're still not speaking up now and the polls don't reflect it. But come election time, that there will just be this giant uprising of people that are like, yeah, you know, we thought about it and America's pretty decent. So we're going to keep yeah. going with America. Yeah, I hope so. I really do. That's, yes, and buy my book, The Plus, because yeah. it's incredibly positive. It's positive. <laughs> it's gung-ho. It's going to change your life. If your life is like this, it will be like this when you're done reading the book, or possibly like this. And then you can just move on over and crush that past self that doesn't exist anymore. That old self is dead after you read that book. So it's, in effect, you're like killing someone with this book. Yes, I'm killing, I'm, I'm creating a better version, a simulation of you. I don't know if that's possible, but I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, you gave, you're a very busy guy. You gave me an hour. Is there anything else on the book that, that we didn't hit? I, I mean, I, anyone that, that knows you will dig yeah. it. It's fun. It's not too serious, but you do make good points about just getting your shit together and, and yeah. going ahead and living a decent life and it not came getting at the right time. with everything. And it wasn't, pl- I didn't plan it which makes me think it's going to do well because I didn't plan it. Things I plan never go well. Things I don't plan explode. So it's like, I think this is going to do well because it wasn't on the, it wasn't on schedule. I just felt like I had to do it. So it came from the heart. Although people question whether I really have one, Dave. (laughs) Greg, am I sending these people to Amazon or do you have a a specific website for the book? Ggutfeld.com or Amazon or Barnes and Noble any place you want to go, but I would frequent all of them many times. And buy your, you know what? A good bundle would be to get my book and Dave's book. Well, their second mm-hmm. copy of my book. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right, Gutfeld, I will see you, I'm sure, on your show in the not too future. Yes, definitely. Future. And watch this. I've got a new outro here. If you know someone I can't wait. who might appreciate a different viewpoint, be sure and share this video by clicking the share arrow below. Thanks, Gutfeld. Do you have a picture of Cher there? Because you should. Can we, in, we got to insert a Cher picture. <laughs> or Cher from, um, what's the movie with, what's her face? The vegetarian. Oh. <laughs> Matt in the control room. I need the vegetarian in the movie. What's the girl that's a vegetarian with the kid? Clueless. Or have a picture of Cher from Clueless. Oh, Cher from Clueless. Her name was Cher. Yeah. Alicia Silverstone. Yes. There you go. Yes, yes. Good God. We, Greg, you're like, it's like playing charades with a young person with no memory. Something. <laughs> <laughs> that is, you just nailed it. <laughs>